Let's just bow our heads. Father, we give you thanks. Give you thanks for your word. Father, we pray you would lay it upon our hearts and minds to trust it, that it is the authority that we live under. Father, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and correction. So, Lord, bless it to us now. Father, take from me what may be of myself. Father, use me as your minister. Let me be the clay that you used to speak through. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been trying to actually uh, speak <laughs> for a number of weeks now. I told Stephen a few weeks ago I'd be speaking on giving. And uh, I, want, I want to just say this first of all. I want you to get, get it in your head. Okay. That the giving is not a legalistic thing, all right? Let me tell you what giving is, and I'll go through it over the next few weeks, although Nigel will be speaking next week on baptism for a short while. Um, you know, we, we come and eat of this bread and drink of this cup, and that is an outward sign to believers of an inward grace that Jesus Christ has come and changed our hearts. And that's what when we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, that's what it is. And baptism is the same. It's the outward sign. When we get baptized, it's an outward sign to the public of the inward grace of being changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And giving is a very similar thing to that. Giving is an outward sign of an inward grace. We don't give because we have to. Jesus doesn't need us to give. It's part of our worship. My goal over the next few weeks when I speak about this, although it will be broken up, is to lay the foundation for you so that when you give, you know why you're giving and you understand the situation behind it. So, Tithing or giving, what's the difference? I just want us to understand what the Bible teaches about giving. And I would suspect that if you asked most Christians where the teaching of tithing comes from, first of all, most of them would say the Bible, wouldn't they? Then if you dig a little further, a little deeper, they would probably say the Old Testament. And there's some scholars who might say that tithing no longer applies to the New Testament and others, that even today in the New Testament, we should bring a tithe. Or what is traditionally known as a tenth of that which God has provided and most would consider that when we talk about what God has provided, we, most of us would be thinking of our wages, our income. This morning, I'm going to start in the Old Testament to lay the foundation. And uh, 
And in particular, I'm going to start with the very first event that the Scriptures speak of tithing. And the narrative is about Abraham, or Abram as he's called at this time. And uh, it's regarding his nephew Lot being taken captive. And Abram goes and rescues him. And it comes from Genesis 14. If you want to look at that, Genesis 14. And I'm just going to... The first few verses speak about all the kings and how they go and go to war. But I'm going to start at verse 10 and read through 10 verses for you. So this is Genesis 14, and it's 10 to 20. And it says this. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits. And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew, Lot, and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now while Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eschol and Anna, and all whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedaloma and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. That's the first account of a tithe in the Bible. It's also the first time that Abraham had been called a Hebrew. And it's thought the word Hebrew, or the word Hebrew means one from out over there. So it was really when they're, when they're distinguishing Abraham, they're saying, you're not from here, you're from over there. And that's why they call him a Hebrew. In the Psalms, it speaks of the Messiah and states that his priesthood would be after that of Melchizedek. So Abraham gives Melchizedek a tenth. And then it speaks in the the Psalms that 
the Messiah, who we know as Jesus, would also be of the priestly order of Melchizedek. It says this in Psalm 110, the Lord has the order of Melchizedek. And he's talking about the Messiah there. And we learn a lot more about Melchizedek from Paul's letter to the Hebrews. So who is this guy? Who is this priest? Who is this Melchizedek who Abraham gives a tenth to? Hebrews says this, Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And we read the, the context in chapter 6, just what I've read. We read the context there for chapter 7 of Hebrews. And to understand this tithe, and understand this tenth, we need to understand some, or have some idea who, who this Melchizedek is, and why Abraham gave him a tenth. You see, in, in chapter 7, we, we read that context, we say, it's because of the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we ourselves now have this hope, this, this anchor, of being able to go into the inner sanctuary. That curtain's been brought down. And that place, that inner sanctuary, was the place where, where the high priest would go and meet with God. And it was only in the Lord, it was only for the high priest of the Jews. But now, through Jesus, it's been taken down. You see, there's no curtain separating us now from God. We no longer have a need of a priest between us and God. Because by His grace, we are now, the Bible tells us, we are now a royal priesthood of God Most High. And we find that in the Bible. So if you're born again today, this is what it speaks of you. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's speaking of those who are the church, who are born again of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the priesthood that we belong to. And it's an eternal royal priesthood. Eternal royal priesthood. You see, and in the same way as it speaks of Melchizedek, it speaks of us. That we're born of the Holy Spirit. Without 
and that spirit is without father, without mother, without genealogy, having, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But made like the Son of God, made like Melchizedek, we will remain a priest perpetually. I wonder if you've ever realized that or thought it. But that's what you are, being born again. You're now the part of the royal priesthood forever and ever. John 3, when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he, he, he emphasizes something. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. See, so when the Spirit gives birth to us and we're born again, we're born again forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that Spirit has, that Holy Spirit, it has no end. It has no father like we have a father. That's why when Jesus speaks of Nicodemus, he says, you people should know this. Hebrews 7, 1-3 says this, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, on who Melchizedek was. Throughout the Old Testament we have theophanies, meaning visitations or appearances of Jesus. Was this meeting of Melchizedek, was that a theophany? This man who offered Abraham sustenance was of bread and wine, was that a prophetic meaning behind the the offering of the bread and wine. And this meeting between Melchizedek and Abraham was hundreds of years before the Lord. didn't have to go and it was before the law a long time before the law so it was something that was established before the Levitical priesthood it's all Christ is a cool man. 
has gone. It wasn't there in the beginning and it's not there now. It was there for the Jew and it was there to help us come to Christ, the Lord. The reason Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek was to acknowledge the priesthood of Melchizedek. And it was his outward sign of his worship to God. He gave a portion of that which God had given him. And by giving it, Abraham was making a statement. If priests receive the tithe, if Melchizedek receives the tithe, then is it right that the priest, and we're a royal priesthood, is it right that we should give a tithe? See, when, Mil, when, when Abraham gave Melchizedek, he done it to do honour to Melchizedek, to the priesthood. And it wasn't done wrongfully, he done it right. It wasn't done rash, on a rash impulse. He'd done it knowing what he was doing. You see, the Levitical priesthood is subordinate to the priesthood of Christ. They were priests and he had one high priest, but it was still subordinate. It was a priesthood of the law. It wasn't of the order of Melchizedek. So what is that priesthood? You see, that priesthood is a priesthood of grace. It was grace before the law and it's grace after the law. So we're, pre- we, we are, we're a part of a priesthood because of God's grace, not because we're good. Hebrews 7, 4 to 11 says this. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commandments in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, although these are descended from Abraham. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had promised. And then it says this, but without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So Melchizedek was greater than the father of our faith. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In this case, mortal men receive tithes. But in that case, one receives them of whom it is witness that he lives on. So it was witnessing that Melchizedek was going to live on. Before this promise was given to Abraham, Melchizedek was going to live on. His priesthood was a priesthood that was eternal. And then it goes on, and so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, 
What it's saying is, Levi, the, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, through Abraham, giving tithes to Melchizedek, it was they were giving tithes because they were still, it says, in Abraham's loins. They hadn't been born, but Abraham was their father. It says, and so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi who received tithes paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So here we have the first time that a tithe was paid. And it was paid to a priest of a different order to the legal priests of the Levites. Now is that priesthood of Melchizedek the same as the priesthood of, of, of today, the royal priesthood? We can't say that. I don't think it is. I think it's a different one. Because Scripture tells us that every time a priesthood changes, the law changes. What I do know, though, is this. And I'm going to, I'll go into it in the New Testament on the next piece. I'll finish here. But I'll go into it then. And I'll show you in the New Testament why we should give. Not that we have to, but why we should. And Abraham didn't have to give Melchizedek. He chose to give because it was part of his worship. One of my favorite verses, one of Niger's favorite verses is Romans 12. And it says this, present yourselves, therefore present yourselves as living sacrifices. It says this is your reasonable act. It's only our reasonable act of worship. So what we do, we do out of love. Abraham gave, not out of the law, but out of his love for God. Out of his relationship with God. He recognized Melchizedek was a priest and he gave as part of his worship and if you read if you go I would suggest go home and read Genesis 14 and maybe just keep that in your in your mind that it was before the law and you'll get a lot more out of it and you'll you will see you know when Abraham the whole situation with Abraham it's not out of the law of giving. It's out of his free will giving from his heart. And the king of Sodom, you know, wants him to take part of, of the... And he says, no, I don't want nothing off you. As you read on, he says, I don't want nothing off you. I don't want people to think that you've given me anything. It's all from God. See, everything we have... Everything we're given, all our provision is from God. Our health, our strength, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, the money we spend, our work, it's all from God. He says this every day. Every day is ordained for you. You know who ordains it? God. Every breath is given to you by God. 
his grace. I prayed earlier on. I pray that the Lord Jesus tarries so that more can come into the kingdom. More and more come into the kingdom. But it's his will, not mine. He will come when he says. Giving in the Old Testament with Abraham wasn't through the law. It was an act of worship. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you, Father, that we don't have to give anything. Father, that you've given us understanding that when we do give, we give it because we love you. We give it because we want to we want it to be a part of our act of worship of you. Father, as a sign, an outward sign of our, the inward grace of Jesus in our hearts. Lord, I pray as we, 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 we go the next couple of weeks, Father, we'll understand more about giving and what it means, not just to us, but what it means to you. Father, how you want us to give from our hearts, not begrudgingly, but willingly. Father, you're a God who blesses. You're a God who keeps his promises. Father, and you just want to bless us. You just want to give to us all the time. Lord, I pray you'd continue to have mercy on us. And help us through your Holy Spirit to live and grow more like Jesus daily. Amen. Amen.